Hey folks, Evan is traveling the world, living a very balanced life. Hey, not everything has to be about sports, but just wanted to bring you a very special episode. We mentioned an interview with former Associate VP for Athletics, Jeremiah Dickey, now now Athletic Director at Boise State, Boise State, as you'll find out. So nothing terribly new from us this week in terms of this week's content, not worth talking about. But here is that interview with Boise State AD, Jeremiah Dickey. Second, we have a very special guest today, athletic director for Boise State, Jeremiah Dickey, former associate vice president for athletics at Baylor University. Jeremiah, welcome to the least important thing you will do today. <laughs> well, no, not at all. It's uh, it's good to connect with uh, with uh, former Bears and and. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you guys' patience and and giving me some time. I, I know you tried to reach out before, and and uh, it's been a, a whirlwind. But I'm glad to, that we have the time to do it today. Well, just to let you know, the kind of ship we like to run over here is I forgot we had a between two bears uh, Gmail address, <laughs> um, so that's why I didn't get back to to whoever I needed to get back to within a quick amount of time. <laughs> Let's just jump into it. You got a busy schedule. I'm going to hop into some of the questions that a lot of people might have for people in athletics operations. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to fire from the hip here. It, it, it is difficult sometimes because it is a little nebulous, because there isn't a lot of visibility for fans. But I'm just going to put it out there. What did you do at Baylor on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's a, it's a good question because, uh, you know, I, I think it's a story that, that we probably haven't told enough of in terms of what a department and, and its leaders are doing. Um, there are a lot of moving parts to, to running a, an athletic department. You know, when you look at, for instance, Boise State, um, you know, having 18 sport programs, 350 plus student athletes, 200 plus staff members, um, it's, uh, it's challenging. And, and so, you know, at Baylor, one of my biggest you know, jobs or, or, or my main role was uh, to be everything the AD couldn't be on a daily basis to our team and um, provide uh, leadership and, and service to, you know, our staff and student athletes and supporters in many cases. And, and so I was fortunate to lead, you know, much of our, our business office, uh, HR space, um, external operations, um, equipment, uh, there's a lot that goes into serving our student athletes and, and our supporters. And um, I was fortunate to work with some unbelievable people that made my job uh, extremely uh, easy compared to most. Uh, Javon uh, Overshone, uh, Cody Hall, um, you know, they, just outstanding leaders in our industry. And, and they probably, you know, you never probably hear their names enough, but for what they do uh, to serve, you know, the Bears and, and in my case, um, you know, uh, how I was able to be a part of that team. And, and it was, uh, it was a, a very beneficial time in my career and my path and, and my life in general. And, and it made it very difficult to leave. There was a lot of emotion and, and, you know, tears in some cases, uh, you know, because uh, we were a team and, and I, I love those guys. Uh, and, and, uh, I think about, you know, uh, my bear family a lot and, and I still have a four-year-old that cheers every Saturday for the Bears, still wears his Baylor stuff out uh, in the community, which is awkward, you know, since uh, I now represent <laughs> the Broncos. But it's uh, it's a time in my life that uh, that I won't forget, and it's it's made me who I am today. 
So what I'm hearing is the real power behind the throne that was Baylor Athletics, Jeremiah Dickey. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) I don't know if Mac's going to listen to this, but Mac, uh, you know, he's a, I'm biased. He's, he's, I think he's the best AD in the country and, and um, I've learned so much from him and still try to talk to him at least once a week. Uh, He's family now. And um, it was, you know, going through that process, it was interesting guys because um, it was like we broke up, you know, like we, we didn't talk, we didn't really say goodbye to each other. There was a six month period where we didn't have a lot of communication because we had been together for so long and it was emotional, you know, uh, I love him sure. to death and, and, uh, I think the world of Mac Rhodes and, and so, uh, Baylor's very lucky to have him. I, I love it when the transitions are made for me because then I don't have to do a graceful job of getting us there. You, you mentioned kind of the, the mentor aspect, the, the training aspect. So the, with the success that the Baylor athletic department did have in those four or five years you were with Baylor, what lessons or philosophies, methodologies, whatever you, whatever may come to mind, what did you bring from Waco to Idaho? Um, man, there's a lot, you know, uh, one, when I first got there, um, that maybe was the most difficult year of my career. Um, not just transitioning my family uh, to a new place, but the amount of, of transition we had as a department, um, coming out of, of some very uncomfortable times for, for Baylor and, and to be a part of that. Um, I learned very quickly. It's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. And as leaders, sometimes we have to stay in that middle ground. Um, and not necessarily ride that pendulum of, of success, um, maybe like fans do. Um, there were some really cool things that we were doing off the field and, and, uh, and how we were participating and controlling you know, much of the process, um, you know, and bringing in someone like you know, Coach Rule and, and you know, uh, the changes we went through from a staff standpoint. Um, those are, that's a lot of what I've gone through here. You know, in my, my first six months, I think I hired three head coaches since I've been here, I've hired five. Um, you know, uh, we had 150 staff when I got here, we're now at 200 and 145 of those are new. And, and not that I came in and, and just ripped the bandaid off and, and started to terminate it. It was the, the exact opposite of that. Um, you know, you define your expectations, you, you, uh, you know, you, lead into people and, and let them know what their ownership is and, and ultimately hold accountable to our processes. And, and that's not always for everyone. And, and it's been really interesting coming out of COVID and me arriving during COVID. Um, that, that was uh, one of my biggest challenges and, and probably one of my biggest fears, you know, could I do it and, and, uh, and, and lead appropriately and, and through a very uncomfortable time in college athletics? Well, I looked back on that first year at Baylor and, you know, I remember Mac and I having a conversation early on and it's like, you go left and I go right and let's figure out what we need to, to change and, and improve on and let's meet in the middle. And that led to, to hiring a, someone like Kenny Boyd, who I don't know if, if Baylor hears his name uh, enough. Um, I think he's elite and he was someone that, that through prayer and, and it's like, I don't know what to do in terms of health and wellness and, and the direction we were going and, and to be able to find a guy like that and, and how it um, impacted that department and how he leads. Uh, um, he's a servant leader and, and, uh, you know, I love Kenny to death. And, and so I, I think about those moments and then ultimately how it impacted me here and, and truly leading with the servant's heart and, and, you know, uh, enduring an uncomfortable time in, in our, in our history and, and society in general. And, and, uh, 
Um, it's uh, I could talk a lot longer than you all will have me on because uh, there's a lot there and, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my experiences at Baylor and how it ultimately impacts the decisions I make here on a daily basis. We are two for two on transitions made for Matt. <laughs> Matt doesn't have to do any work the way we prefer it here. Uh, leadership style. You mentioned it a couple of different times, right? A lot of different factors go into building your own leadership style. Maybe discovering your own leadership style is the more appropriate way of coining it. Yeah. But I, I remember years ago, I, I think it was like on a, a podcast with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr. And they were talking about the, the leadership lessons that Brene Brown from University of Houston had had coined, right? And, and it's become my ethos when talking with our daily bears people or trying to get Evan to do something. Um, and it's culture of vulnerability, right? That's an, that's an ethos, right? You, you create an organization where everybody is feeling safe enough to be the fullest version of themselves, yada, yada, yada. They can be extremely open about mistakes. And that's one particular leadership ethos. If you had to give us the boilerplate leadership, this is the book. This is, this is on the internal flap of the Jeremiah Dickey leadership book. What would it say? Um, you know, and it, it sounds so, you know, generic. Uh, oh, it's going to sound it's going to sound corny and vague, but that's OK. That's what it's here. That, it's a book, right? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, guys, I'm a servant leader. Um, I, 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 I take that to heart. And I hadn't in my career, I hadn't always served that way um, or led that way. And you know, it's funny. That was one of my biggest fears of becoming an athletic director. I remember talking to Mac and and asking him, "Is this too big for me? And and, and can I do it?" And and one of the biggest fears that I had was, could I lead appropriately and, and be what what in some cases what a leader's in, you know should be, what others can't be at that point in time. You know, my job is to fill the gap and and protect and promote and and be what others can't you know, do it maybe at that point in time and, and whatever that may mean. And I always come back to the servant aspect, you know, maybe it's because my faith is important to me, you know, and, and uh, that's something that's, that is foundational. Um, but, you know, it's, it's when I can't do it that way and, and it becomes about me uh, and, and, and not us, um, you know, is when I walk, and, you know, and that's something that, you know, uh, so far I, I feel like, you know, uh, I continue to show up and, and you know, uh, and protect and promote my team and, and do everything I can to lead in and pour into them and serve them and, you know, and see that play out in action is there's nothing greater than a leader and leadership's hard. Um, the job is the job, you know, uh, there's, there's not much that crosses my desk that, that I, I couldn't speak to or, or teach someone to do. Um, you know, we talked about it at Baylor and I, I've, I've copied it from Baylor, you know, people are our greatest asset. And, and that's something that, that is still, um, very important to me. Um, and, you know, uh, but that's also the most difficult part, you know, everyone's different, everyone hears things differently and, and those crucial conversations along the way and all these leadership books that you're speaking to and, and the things that I've learned over the course of my career, there's a reason that every year, you know, 30 leadership books are, are written because right. they're, they're, that's the hardest part. And, and there, there's a lot of ways to do it and, and winning hides a lot. Um, you know, uh, I'm more process oriented and, and, you know, there, I don't worry about wins and losses. I don't worry about totals and, 
you know, I tell our team all the time, do your best, show up, and, and I'll provide coverage for everything else. And, and what's happened is the process is, has become, you know, uh, um, that much more important than, than, than everything else. And, and then you go through a weekend like we just had where we sell out a volleyball game, a soccer game, a football game. Um, it, it had our largest crowd ever, um, our largest concessions ever. I mean, it was insane. And it was never part of the conversation going into the game. It was do your job and, and all I ask is 1% better every day. And, and ultimately it led to something epic. And, and I believe in that process. It's a good win on Saturday, Thank by you. the way, by the way, by the way, um, coaching that, that that's, I heard a lot about, you know, leadership and coaching, just putting people in the best position possible for them to succeed. Right. I, I, I think there's a lot of corollaries between leadership outside of sports and, and coaching inside of sports, zooming out from Boise state, zooming out from your position and your experiences just to get your take on kind of the national um, ecosystem as it exists right now. I don't know. I have no concept for how much college football media you consume, but the the main way that I consume those conversations and sometimes the news is podcasts, right? Coincidentally. So recently the, the college football world has experienced this earlier and earlier onset of this coaching carousel season, right? Coaches are being let go earlier. Coaches are being hired earlier. And it's, it's kind of the conversation now, is this a trend that is going to stick? What impacts will have, will it have on the sport and your general, just, uh, we call it vibes here in the conversations between <laughs> Evan and I, what's the general vibe on your end, your perception of this trend of the carousel starting early and earlier? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's not just coaches anymore. Um, no, it's, it's ADs, not. Um, deputy ADs. Uh, you're you're seeing uh, and and the timing of it. Um, we used to be from a traditional standpoint, you would see a lot of change in the spring, and and uh, you know there would there was um, some level of rhythm to it, and and now um, it, September and and teams are moving a different direction, universities are moving a different direction, and and so I hope that that you know there, there's a better way and, and path forward um you know and i have a lot of faith in our industry and and but i, I think it it ties into just the uncomfortableness that we're having overall of who are we and what are we and and what what do we represent um are we operating a business are we you know uh, within this higher education umbrella or under this higher education umbrella is it both um you know everything's being monetized differently the pressure is is um, you know, it at least feels, and maybe it's because I'm a new AD, is so much different than what it was. Um, and so, you know, but I also try to view things with, you know, uh, you know, this glass glass half full mentality. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in, in what we are right now and, and where we're headed. Um, I'm big on defining our own expectations, you know, and if you don't, they'll be defined for you. And, and give, it gives me as a new leader in this industry and and a new AD, um, an opportunity to, to lead my team, you know, through some uncharted waters and, and it's allowed the blinders to come off and, and us to think differently than maybe we've thought in the past. Um, you know, whatever was traditional or not, um, it has changed, 
uh, astronomically since I started in this industry into what we are now. And, and I would expect more change to come. And I see that, you know, in a way as, as a positive for us as leaders, you know, to, to maybe define a better future. And for me to be able to have a seat at that table and to be able to speak into it um, is uh, I'm really grateful for it. Uh, and not to say I have all the answers. Um, I'm, I'm reading and listening to what you're listening to and reading and I'm talking to mentors and, you know, but uh, in a way. I, Just saying, though, if you wanted to. You are in a position to say, I do have all the answers and just throw out any answer you wanted. I'm just letting you know, you do have that ability <laughs> no. in your currency. I, I do not have all the answers, um, but I do know that, that uh, you know, what we're faced with and what I'm faced with on a daily basis, uh, whether it's conference realignment, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, how we navigated in and out of COVID, you know, over the last two, two and a half years, however long it's been. Um, it's created a, a, a lot of opportunities for us and, you know, and that's, that's how I, I choose to view it. And, and my hope is it gives us here at Boise State a competitive advantage, you know, because I'm, I haven't been in the chair all that long to where, you know, it's changing who I am as a leader. It, it's allowing me to adapt with an industry that's changing every day. And, and I'm grateful for that. That is awesome. Um, I'm I, my brain is already done. I can't do any of the like actual like let's learn something questions. When that happens, I usually kick it over to Evan. So I'm gonna do that. Evan has some questions that I think mainly focus on the Waco side of things. Cool. So Evan, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you do that. I, right. I can't do that. Perfect. I think Matt explained it well. Um, I, I'm. It's. It sounds like you had a very good experience your years in Waco. Um, so I kind of just want to pick your brain a little bit about the ins and outs of the city and campus, and see how you feel. So I'll. I'll, I'll start low and kind of finish at a, at a bigger scale. So, um, did you attend Common Grounds often, and what was your favorite drink, or did you have a really bad drink there and never went back in favor of something else? So I. I would go to Common Grounds quite a bit. Um, I love coffee, and uh, and I. I I drink, a, I would get a large coffee, black, and, you know, sometimes I would, you know, they have the different flavors or whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I'm a black coffee drinker and, and I'm pretty consistent and, and still, you know, doing that now. Um, that was, uh, that was maybe one of the first decisions I made when I got here, we were still in COVID <laughs> and I had to, you know, I, I show up to work my first day and there's no coffee. Well, no one was at the office, so they stopped ordering coffee. And I'm like, I can't operate this way. You know, I, I'm gonna, I don't know if I can survive without coffee. And so uh, that was one of the first decisions I made after hiring a football coach was, uh, you know, we need to order coffee again. <laughs> Two equally important decisions. You That's know, right. Um, to, to keep the department running. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um, you mentioned moving up to up to Idaho and things were a little different. Is there a specific like meal or a restaurant from Waco you wish you could just kind of pluck up off the ground and bring it right next to campus? I think in general, um, Mexican food, I love Mexican food being, you know, uh, born and raised El Paso and, and you know, mm -hmm. the time I spent in Texas and Tex-Mex and Mexican food, uh, Mexican food in general, um, there are some solid places here, but the, one of the things that they don't have here is queso. And that was like a staple of, of my, my, you know, maybe my childhood and, and mm -hmm. my kids, you know, childhood. So. That was one of the first questions like dad where can we go get queso so i actually have become uh you know uh, uh 
you know, the solution and, and, you know, have, have taken some recipes from my, from my mom and family. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, every, every couple of weeks we'll, we'll make a huge batch of queso that, um, that, uh, we'll have as a family. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, no, I could see how, uh, getting that far away from that specific region of the world could, could impact your diet. Torchy. Um, I mean, Torchy, yes. it seems so like, cause they were, I felt like they were everywhere in Texas, but like, Mac used to, you know, Mac loved torchies. The whole, I mean, everybody mm -hmm. doesn't like torchies. And so we used to bring it in all the time. And, and, uh, you know, it's, even though it's a chain, it's like when I get back to Texas, you know, I always try to hit up torchies. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, okay. Just a couple kind of different rapid fire ones for you. Um, do green football fields look weird to you now? Have you kind of adjusted to that? You know, um, I've, I've adjusted to the blue, green doesn't look weird at all um but the thing that that probably has been more powerful for me was the the level of innovation and and that someone and it was it was you know uh, gene blamemeyer uh, you know a former ad and he was here for many years and and considered one of the greats um you know that he thought differently that he you know, he's like the grass is fake like why can't we make it another color and when you look at our institution and and how we operate with this level of innovation and live out live it out in action the blue turf is something that you know people would ask me are you going to change it jeremiah and i'm like absolutely not it is what we're known for and mm -hmm. and it has been huge for for our brand but but taking a step further the fact that that gene and, and some people got in a room and said well why does it have to be green is is a question i ask myself every day for some of the things that we're challenged with why does it have to mm -hmm. be that way why can't we do something different and it's a great reminder having that blue turf. It's it's beautiful and and uh, it's something that separates us from others. And, and I'm grateful for it. Gotcha. Yeah. No. That that definitely that checks out. That makes sense. Um, is is there something now that you've been in sort of the this this world for a while, and now that you've sat in this role for for you know almost a year? Is is there something that you think the average like um, I guess college sports fan? Um, Mis, mis under, misinterprets about what it is an athletic director does or maybe doesn't do? Um, I, I don't know if, if anyone, full, I don't even know if my wife fully understands, you know, what I do on a daily basis. Um, it's, uh, it's challenging and, and there's a lot, you know, uh, you know, as, as we oversee various areas of the department and, and you're constantly looking for whether it's liabilities or opportunities or both. Um, you know, but nothing that, that I think would all be all that surprising, you know, to maybe fans, you know, one thing that, that I would say, um, you know, decisions are, are, you know, not always as easy as they may seem. And, and there are a lot of moving pieces to it, whether it's the human and, and, and empathy side of, of what our industry has become and, and the idea of moving away from a coach or a staff member and how it impacts, not just them and families um it, it's it that's a difficult thing but there's also you know this idea that we are a department overseeing 18 sport programs 350 plus student athletes and and sometimes as fans it's you know they they zone in on just football or just basketball and it becomes you know uh, uh every solution is easy it's not always easy it's you have to make you have to prioritize the priorities and you have to make you know, uh, strategic and intentional decisions around some of the things that you're doing. And it's not that we don't see it. I try, you know, I hold myself to a very high standard of trying to see everything our fans see, which is why I'm so active on social, 
because I want to know what they see because there's value to me. But it doesn't mean that we aren't seeing it. It doesn't mean that there isn't a solution, but some things take time. And there are processes in place. There are financial ramifications. Um, you know, there are Title IX ramifications. Uh, there's there's a lot. And, you know, there isn't a lot of grace or, or empathy in, in terms of, of, of how, you know, maybe those, you know, in real time, how those decisions are made. But that's also something that as an AD, you, you come to appreciate and expect, you know, you do the best you can. And, and um, you know, you, as long as you continue to show up and, and recognize it, you know, when the decisions aren't made, um, you know, I, I think our fan base has been really uh, receptive to, to that, you know, in, in regards to my time here. I, I have to piggyback on that in a slightly different direction. And I want you to be careful with this one because this, this might be the one that provides the, the opportunity to get in trouble with some of your fellow Idahoans because that's definitely what the, the word is. What was the biggest cultural adjustment, you know, growing up in El, El Paso and then, you know, spending a lot of time in Texas and then now moving to Idaho, what was the cultural adjustment you had to make that you might have given, you know, gotten a little um, ragging on for, or what, what's just different that you're still getting used to? Um, well, one, when, when I was looking at AD jobs, you know, and, and I say, look, not that people were looking at me, but, you know, knowing that and, and understanding this from Mac and other mentors in the industry, um, I wasn't going to fit everywhere. And there were certain places that, that I knew I would be a good fit and, and some that I, I probably wouldn't be. And Idaho was always a place that, that I felt would, you know, maybe not the same, but be similar to what I was used to in Texas. And, and I, I see a lot of similarities. And, you know, from a community standpoint, Boise, uh, you know, reminds me a lot of Waco and, and things that were of value to me and my family. And, and you know, uh, and so I'm grateful for that. So the transition wasn't uh, as difficult in, in that regard. Um, there were things that, like, I didn't know, you know, like we say Boise, and it's actually Boise. You know, it's not a Z, um, Noted. you know, that's something that, you know, I had to get used to. And sometimes I catch myself because I'm like most people, you know, I, I, I dropped the Z sound, you know, more so than that, than the, the S. Right. Um, you know, there were, I had to get used to the four seasons, you know, and, and the idea of snow and, <laughs> and cold, you know, it, I'd never felt it really got that cold in, in Waco and, um, the summers are, are hot, the winters are cold, but you know, it, it's, I enjoy the four seasons and, and, you know, uh, the outdoors here, um, you know, I felt like in Waco, there was a lot of going on outside and, and here it's the same way. Um, and so there were, there were some things that, that were important to me personally and, and outside of the professional aspect that, um, I felt would, would resonate with my family and because it's, I can't do what I do on a daily basis without them and their support. And I wanted them to appreciate it. Um, now it was challenging coming in through COVID and the housing market was insane. Sure. And there were things that were out of my control, but I finally feel like we're fully transitioned and, and, you know, uh, this is a destination, you know, place. And, and for me to have this opportunity to be able to lead, you know, uh, an unbelievable brand and program like, you know, Boise state is, is uh i'm very grateful you nailed the pronunciation on that thank one. you you, you nailed I, it there. I told you, you i kept myself. you were focused yeah. you were honed in you did have the opportunity to go negative on some of the other jobs maybe like a rival where you just wouldn't fit because you're too good but you don't have to do that here we, we're not usually a negative podcast oh, well, I appreciate inside that. each other 
um, pretty, pretty. My, first, um, my I mean, first press conference. So to give you a little more background on this Boise, um, I'd never done a press conference before. And mind you, this <laughs> process lasted about a week. All of a sudden I'm in Illinois, then back in, in Waco, and then I'm in Idaho for the first time in, in ever. I'd never been. And right before I, you know, I, I get on for my press conference, it's, I'm told it's, it's Boise. Um, and our president was, Don't screw is it Dr. Trump, <laughs> not Trump. And so, you know, it was, and during that time, as you can imagine, it was, you know, like, so in my mind, I'm like, just say Boise right and say Dr. Trump right. Um, get those know, two things right. And we're this. good. Um, so. Did you? I, I think I did, but it was almost like that Frank the Tank moment where I get up there and, you know, I do this whole press conference and, you know, I, I come out of it and I'm asking everyone, like, how was it? Because I, I can't remember <laughs> I can't what remember. I said, you know, it was, <laughs> you know, I, I prayed before and it's like, you know, God, I'm, I'm in your hands because I was so nervous. And, um, but, uh, you know, now the people I asked, you know, mom and dad and, and people close to me, you know, they said, yeah, you did well, but I, I wouldn't expect anything less from them. So I don't know, but I will never go back and watch or listen to, you know, when I do these type of things. Blacking out because you're in the zone. One of the <laughs> yeah. best feelings of all time. Yeah. Evan, I'm going to let you take us home here. Uh, I'm torn between two questions. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize I had two left. I'm sorry. Well, I thought of one while we were talking, and I think I'm going to go with it. Is okay. it true that birds will mistake your football field for a lake and they'll try to swim on it? No. Um, oh, no, it's they, not. I knew it. Here, I knew it. I get knew it wasn't true. Here. I had to get it question. straight from the source. Yeah. But the geese <laughs> are insane here. Like, remember Waco, and you, you probably still have it. Like, it was like crickets everywhere, and, and it would be for a two oh, week yeah. period. Here it's it's uh, the geese. I mean, they're they're outside my window right now. Like they don't fly south. I mean, they just camp out here and they'll stop highway traffic. You know, because no one wants to hit mm -hmm. these, these birds. And um, it's uh, so there are a lot of birds. But um, no, that is uh, you know that's just uh, a myth. I'm gonna sleep better tonight. I I knew I was rolling the dice on that one, Matt, and I'm confident that I made the right I made the right choice. <laughs> just garbage <laughs> you want to ask your other one which i actually think is good it's a little uncouth but it's good uh okay you don't have to answer ask this it. you really don't i'm not going to make you answer it but do you think that there's a best bathroom on baylor's campus and if so are you willing to share which one you think it is the best bathroom mm -hmm. yes oh I, I i we were spoiled our the the baylor <laughs> athletic facilities were elite so you know mm -hmm. there, there's uh, a couple yeah. things I, I i do miss you know from a, outside of the people and, and just the experience of, of being a part of the baylor family um you know uh, the the locker room space for staff and and you know uh, the, the how how campus served um you know uh, i i will it's something that i i hope we can model at other places and, and especially here um, they did a really good job, and, and Jill Van Zee and, and others, um, the onboarding processes and, and our facilities in general. And um, it's a, I remember when Matt called me to come from Houston, and I grew up in Texas. I went to Texas, and and, um, and we weren't going to bring it up. We didn't need to let anybody <laughs> well, else know about that. I don't talk um, about it but... a whole bunch because I'm a competitor, and, and so I, I feel like I'm competing with, you know, I want us to compete with everyone. But, you know, coming to campus and Max saying, just come, you know, just come see it. And I hadn't been back to Baylor's campus in forever. And it blew me away. 
And so with what they're doing, you know, uh, you know, with the, the basketball facility and the football ops and, um, you know, I already think highly of Baylor, but, uh, you know, whatever elite was before they're taking it to the next level. And, and so, uh, I, I hope, uh, you know, the Baylor family appreciates it because, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be amazing. Already a pro not haven't been doing this very long, took your awful question and turned it into a compliment about Baylor. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. Brett, your mark, make the call. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you. Jeremiah, thank you so much for taking time out of your insanely busy day to talk with us two goobers. We truly, truly appreciate it. We'll give you 15 seconds to plug anything that you want to plug. Uh, but other than that. No, I, I really appreciate you guys time. even thinking of me and, and giving me this opportunity. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I miss uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, our friends and, and what I consider family now in, in Waco and in Texas in general. And and you know i I, we still very much are are cheering from afar and and it's uh um it's something that i think makes baylor a very special place and so um please give everyone a hug for me and and uh you know go broncos go broncos i'll say it i'll say it go broncos jeremiah thank you so much and sick them take care thank you guys no i i really appreciate you guys even thinking of me and, and giving me this opportunity and and uh you know, uh, I, I miss uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, our friends and, and what I consider family now in, in Waco and in Texas in general. And, and you know, I, I, we still very much are, are cheering from afar. And, and it's, uh, um, it's something that I think makes Baylor a very special place. And so um, please give everyone a hug for me and, and uh, you know, go Broncos. Go Broncos. I'll go say Broncos. it. I'll say go. it. Go Broncos. Jeremiah, thank you so much. And sick them. Take care. Thank you, guys.